0: shit <laughs>
1: Welcome to another episode of the Pumping Irony Podcast, a podcast where three friends all living in Columbia, Maryland, talk about things we like and things we dislike. My name is Tim. I'm Russ.
2: And I'm Andrew.
1: And thanks for joining us. Uh, back to our regular scheduled program. Uh, we've had two special episodes, a uh, best of 2016 recap, and then we discussed Rogue One in detail. Our, our, our annual
2: Star Wars our episode. Our annual Star Wars episode,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And we'll have more of those. Um, Forever. <laughs> yes. Before we begin and talk about uh when before Russ begins talking about things he likes this t- this week, a couple of corrections. Um, uh oh. As I was editing last podcast, something kept bugging me, especially about my section when I talked about my favorite uh, albums of two thousand sixteen, and it finally not adding the Skillet album. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually I I I did I did forget to talk about one album cuz I said I talked about 15 albums but when I was when I only talked about 14 I forgot to mention um, Paul Simon's uh 13th solo al- album Stranger to Stranger it came out in June and it is an excellent album if you like Paul Simon um he's always very ex- experimental and right. so he he does some electronic um he invites like this electronic musician from I don't know Italy or France or one of those you know one of those foreign countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and does a couple songs. Um, there's a great bit where the 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 lead the lead uh, track on the album is called "The Werewolf," and uh, he discusses it in length with um, Bob Boylan from um, NPR, and just you know just it's fascinating the discussion of how this song came about and and, and all that. So you can look that up and find that I, mm-hmm. I might if I can find the link I'll try to find that. But yeah, Paul Simon's album "Stranger Stranger" came out. In June, and it was one of my favorite albums. I'm a big Paul Simon fan, and it did not disappoint. And going into some news, our section on Star Wars news, which I'm going to have a lot probably in, in, <laughs> coming up, um, is that the the new Han Solo movie has an official release date. It is May 25th, 2018. So they're bringing Star Wars back to May when it was you know back to its proper place in the. <laughs> Because all the other you know movies came out in mm-hmm. May, um, so that means that so from from uh, episode eight to to Han Solo you only you know, only have five months, so that's good news. Until and then, it gets delayed until December.
2: Well, <laughs> like like the last three Star Wars movies, right? Don't say that. <laughs> so uh, the,
1: the the big four right now as far as the cast: um, Donald Glover, Alden, Ehrenreich, Woody Harrelson, and Amelia Clark are in it. Um, pretty solid cast yeah and a young
3: Harrison Ford oh wait <laughs> <laughs>
1: digital CGI, CGI. yeah um, and then the last note I had is that if I was going to start a rock band I I would pick the name The Radical Moose Lambs um, okay. I don't know if you've seen that SNL skit no oh, oh you haven't oh no.
2: Melissa McCarthy or <laughs> Sean Spicer Oh, you need, so, to, you need, to, you need to find that. It's yeah. so funny. Well, that's yeah, I actually, I actually have that bookmarked. Um, I didn't know that that was... I have the Melissa McCarthy sketch bookmarked. Yes, it is. So we'll watch at some point. I just Wait, I might, I might change my like now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty
3: good. It's pretty funny.
1: So yeah, those are the the notes I had. Um, maybe that will be the episode title, radical Moose Lands. Radical Moose
3: Lands. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: we're going to get into it, and we're going to start um, this time with Russ.
3: Well, I'm not going to talk about a movie for my like. Whoa, I know, right? So, um, but I, but I kind of lead into it with a movie that I love. So, you guys have seen *Master and Commander*, right? Uh, yes. With uh, um, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, blanking <laughs> on the name, um, and that that's based on a whole series of books. The uh, um, now I'm forgetting what the books were, <laughs> but but during the Napoleonic Wars, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, uh, English officer comes up through the ranks and and all that stuff. So, if you took that movie. And added dragons. Okay, I'm interested. <laughs> you get this, this series of books called uh, uh, the Temeraire series, but uh, His Majesty's Dragon oh, is the first one. Was, so we heard about, about this yes. at the National Youth Workers Convention in a in a uh, seminar we went to. The uh, the person leading the seminar said, "Hey, if you want want a good series of books, read this." So I started reading it. I'm about two thirds of the way through it, and I love it. So it is basically if the Napoleonic Wars happened and they had an Air Force with dragons.
0: All right. I'll be right so back.
3: <laughs>
1: so it, it, I have it haven't, uh, <laughs> saved on my wish list on Amazon. It's, oh, in, yeah. my, it's in my yeah. uh, wish list there. So yeah. So I
3: got it from the library and you know I wasn't done with it when the time to to put it back, you know, give it back was and it would have cost me a dollar a day. What? So I was like, I bet I can find this used on Amazon and yeah. found it for a penny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the shipping cost me more, but anyway worth the four bucks I paid um so anyway this first book starts off in the year 1804 during the war of the third coalition Mm. one of the napoleonic wars I guess in this in this um universe and uh captain william lawrence is the captain of a british frigate they have a battle with a french frigate and capture a dragon egg Mm. so I guess in this in this um universe the dragons if they like imprint on somebody and if you can harness the dragon then you're basically the dragon's rider for life and so captain lawrence is happy you know captaining the ship and so he gets some of his little his young midshipmen to try to you know become this dragon's rider because they know that that whoever becomes the dragon rider has to go and join the air force and Mm -hmm. all this stuff because dragons are really really valuable and especially one caught from the French. And this one seems to be a different breed of dragon they haven't seen before and all this stuff. And um, so the beginning of the book spends a lot of time going through kind of what the, you know, the history of these dragons and everything and and how how they deal with, you know, who rides the dragon and all this stuff. So anyway, that all goes to show the dragon doesn't imprint on anybody except Captain Lawrence. So he has to give up his ship and go join the air force as an old guy basically you know he's older than everybody else who's there in this training that he goes through so you learn all about you know how they how they run the dragons and the dragons come out of the eggs speaking really because through their eggshell they hear all the language going on around them so uh, okay they so dragons are really really intelligent and really um really empathetic and and you know so he he ends up reading to his dragon and they form this great bond and and his dragon is special it's a it's a Chinese dragon that they don't usually see so um, so he has to go to this training and then becomes you know part of the the air Force and part of the war and I'm in the middle middle of their their second battle now and so it's it's really exciting and
1: so each side has has dragons yeah, the air French Force ha- also? the French have dragons
3: so everybody, every major, backwards. every major, power, every They're major power, they, they looked down on the other dragons, yeah. every major Smitty power in the world has, yeah. and berets, <laughs> so every major power in the world has dragons, and uh, you know, the Chinese are known for breeding dragons for particular things, and so this, I, this is a, the first of a trilogy, and there might be more books now, I don't know, but um
2: there are. Fun fact, that one's $2 on Amazon, and now I own it for Kindle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I have all the other ones right here, too. <laughs> so, it's it's uh,
3: There's quite a few. Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, so, of course, being a movie guy, my first thought is, are they making a movie of this? Because mm. this would be awesome, you know? Ships and dragons. And, uh, how, old, how old? When uh, was it written?
1: 2000...
3: Maybe look at the the copyright here. Andrew probably will find it before I do. I could if I was looking. 2006. I'm... Okay,
1: so. <clears throat> so it's been around for a while. It's been around
3: for a while, yeah. But I had never heard of it until now, so very happy with it. So I guess Peter Jackson had optioned it for a while, mm-hmm. and then some reason it returned to the author. Uh, the author's Naomi Novik, by the way. Um, the the rights returned to her, so I don't know if they're going to mm-hmm. do one or not. But it would be it'd be a very expensive movie to make because there are a lot of dragons and all different breeds and everything, you know, which would be cool to see. And then you got you throw in their you know French and English frigates battling and stuff, so so the as well, you're talking the interesting
1: thing to me is that so the dragons talk and they have this conscience and and but then they're used in a war against other dragons i mean what's the what's the buy in for the dragons like why are they fighting the, against... the
3: dragons the dragons seem to they imprint on their rider, so okay. they they have all their loyalty to okay. the person that they're that they're you know they're bonded with but the dragons live for a really long time so riders die so so it's the riders that are
1: dying in these battles more than the dragons No, no, no not
3: i'm just saying just riders will die from old age, from old age oh, they're not killed in war or whatever okay. but the dragons seem to be taking the brunt of the damages and okay uh, and and some dragons breathe fire some breathe acid ooh and Ooh, that's acid, cool and <laughs> and some don't you know some uh-huh. and then they have different sizes of dragons and they're used basically like the giant ones are bombers and and the dragons fly with a crew on them a crew of people so there's there's like people scurrying all over them as they're flying okay. you know doing so it's like basically the dragon's a giant ship that, huh. that have all these sharpshooters and things on it so it's really interesting and i'd love to see it you know in the theater to see right. how they would would um, do it. There, so there are small dragons and big dragons and medium-sized dragons. So
0: yeah, yeah it's a cool, it's cool
3: mythology. So. Yeah, I was uh, like I said,
0: it's
1: <coughs> been my Amazon and and um, and it's been sitting there ever since we I went to that you know that talk also. And uh, but I just haven't ever gotten around to yeah. getting it. So now, I'm, so it's I'm it's very called intrigued. the
3: Temeraire series because Temeraire is the the main character's dragon. Um, oh, okay, that's what he names him. So, I guess he
1: doesn't die in this book since it's. A, I, I assume <laughs> he doesn't. Spoiler alert. But I haven't got to the end yet.
0: Oh, okay. so.
3: <laughs> but yeah, highly recommended. Well written and fun. Good.
1: I yeah. own it now. <laughs> there you
3: go.
1: <laughs> and you'll probably read it in two days.
2: <laughs> you'll probably read it faster than I do. But not for. A, I got a pile of books. <laughs> yeah. To <go> like <laughs> I said, I
1: have a pile of books also, and that's why it's been sitting in my, my wish list for Amazon. I haven't bought it yet because, um, I mean, I still have those a couple of those books that you recommend mm-hmm. that a while ago, um, Rook and. Um, oh, Rook and Stiletto. Yeah. So good. Well, no, the other one you talked about, the. Um, uh, what are the shorter ones?
2: I forget. Girl with All the Gifts.
1: Or... No, I don't know. Ooh, that movie comes out
2: like in a week or something. <laughs> well, it's already been out in England and stuff, but. Oh, cool. It comes out in America.
1: Yeah. So, well, thank you for that, Russ. I was uh, very interested in that book and, and, and uh, just have never gotten around to it. So I'm glad to hear that you like it and maybe. I'll hear from Andrew because you'll probably read it before I will. <laughs> so I, mean, I can get his recommendation also. Yeah. So let's go to Andrew now and talk about his like.
2: So since I spent like all of the last episode talking about TV shows, I didn't want to talk about a TV show, um, and then I made the mistake of watching a TV show, and now I have to talk about a TV show. <laughs> um, but uh, like yesterday or two days ago, I started watching uh, Santa Clarita Diet on Netflix. Um, And I watched the first two episodes, and I thought they were pretty great, and I was like, oh, I'll totally watch more of it. And then, like, last night, I couldn't sleep, and it was, like, midnight or so, and I was like, I'm going to watch a third episode of that show. And then I watched five more episodes of that show, (laughs) completely changing what I was going to talk about today, because I couldn't stop, like, giggling at this show, like, all night. Maybe I was a little bit sleep deprived. I don't know. This is a fantastic show. Um, And this is, it's a show on Netflix, um, starring Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant. Um, who are both just phenomenal in the show. Um, and, uh, Drew Barrymore, like, they're, you know, nice, like, upper middle class, like, people living in California, and she, for some reason, is a zombie. (laughs) And (laughs) they don't really explain why she's a zombie, or, like, and she doesn't know she's a zombie in the first episode until she's, like, well, she finds out in a pretty interesting way. (laughs) Um... And, yeah, so <laughs> this is just about, you know, middle-class people trying to deal with, you know, their wife being a zombie. <laughs> the kids, um, they have kids. Yeah, they they have one kid um, played <laughs> by Liv Hewson, who I'd never heard of before this thing, <laughs> um, and sh- she is phenomenal. Like, she's one of my favorite parts of the show. How old is the character? Um, is... Like 16. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, like, uh, Timothy Oliphant and uh, Drew Barrymore's uh, characters are, like, you know, high school sweethearts he was the quarterback and Mm. now they're real estate agents um and like they're just you know sort of they're sort of like in a rut i guess Uh like you know as you you know in their 40s with a kid and the kids you know kind of rebellious like not crazy rebellious but maybe a little bit rebellious and you know she spends the beginning of the first episode which wishing she just had a little bit more like umph like in her (laughs) life like she just like you know thinks like i just want to like go for stuff like and then she's a zombie all of a sudden and it's and you know just trying to deal with like how do you eat uh-huh. like do, like you know do i just eat you know ground beef and stuff or like do i have to eat people <laughs> like how's how's it going to work um and it's just go- like it is goofy and fun um and like i don't it's not like a dark dark comedy like the a lot of the situations are dark but the humor from the situations is not dark it's just uh-huh. like uh like how would these normal people react to this situation and like timothy Olyphant is a treasure uh-huh. <laughs> like he is so great in this because he's just like so just incredulous at everything happening and just everything just seemed is so ridiculous and he's they're playing it like like everything is as ridiculous as it is mm-hmm. um so they know it's ridiculous uh-huh. um and I don't know, it's just it's hilarious. I can't stop smiling through the show. <laughs> um basically every like sentence that comes out of like Timothy Oliphant's mouth could be like just a quote on a wall somewhere. <laughs> um it's it is absurd and amazing. Um and yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> uh what was I gonna say? Um I forgot what I was gonna say. Um well, it was good. <laughs> so a- another
1: um, show on the CW, kind of a goofy zombie, uh, iZombie, Zombie. How yeah. would you compare Santa Clarita Diet to like I Zombie?
2: Uh, I mean, they're very like very different shows. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I Zombie. There's like you know obviously a bunch of zombies going around, and, and they, they kind of know uh, why yeah, they're zombies. Yeah, also. they kind of know why they're zombies. I mean, it's also it's a procedural that's also you know a zombie show, which is and I love iZombie. Zombie. I think it's great. Um, it's a very different kind of feel, like like the a lot of the humor in iZombie is a bit more self-aware okay um and like Santa Cruz li- isn't like doing like a self-aware thing but like the characters are aware of how we- I don't know it's it's mm-hmm. weird to explain mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but I don't know it's the humor is very different um it's not you know so much the absurdity like a lot of the humor in iZombie comes from you know the different characters yeah you know she's every time every time you know Uh, Liv, like, eats the brain of someone, Uh, she takes on their characteristics, and, you know, so a lot of the humor comes from that, Um, and, yeah, it's been a while
1: since I've seen Nights on, because it's been so long, yeah, and Drew Barrymore is
2: not just interested in brains, she wants arms and legs, she just wants meat, she just wants meat, (laughs) so, yeah, there's no, like, fancy cooking of stuff, (laughs) like, she's just hungry, (laughs) Um, so are there other zombies
3: in Santa Clara die not,
2: not yet I haven't okay. seen the I haven't seen the whole season there's 10 episodes and I've seen seven of them All right. <laughs> um so as far as I know there's no other yep. zombies um and yeah I mean they're still basically they're trying to go around their normal lives like uh-huh. just trying to work in the fact that she needs to eat stuff like mm-hmm. that's not cooked um, and potentially people. <laughs> um yeah it it guest stars uh so like nathan Fillion's also on this show okay um and mary elizabeth ellis uh from the it's actually a bunch of the grinder cast natalie morales is also on it um until timothy oliphant guest starred on the (laughs) grinder bunch um so yeah mary elizabeth ellis and uh natalie morales just popped up okay um an episode that i watched um uh yeah it, Is it, do you know like anything about who created it not a clue okay <laughs> um i had very little awareness of the show before two weeks ago well i know um,
1: on netflix it's been popping up as far as like the um all the promo things when you open up the mm-hmm. page and all that it, it comes up yeah. and uh, i think i actually put it on my list but haven't got to it yet um, i didn't really didn't know much about it but then i think i was just reading that um like ew i read uh, entertainment weekly magazine and and they always have this thing called the hot list and 10 things you should be watching or reading or mm-hmm. anything like that and it popped up in, in there as far as one of the things that you should be watching so that got me more intrigued oh, yeah. and now that andrew's uh, given <laughs> giving him a hearty recommendation
2: yeah i like this uh this little i'm looking at IMDb trying to figure out who the heck makes this show but one of the blurbs just says, "Think Desperate Housewives meets Weeds meets Dexter." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty—that's pretty accurate, I think. Um, Three yeah.
1: kind of darkish comedies.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as comedy with Dexter. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely a dark show. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, Skylar Gizondo also plays like the the neighbor boy that's sort of like you know obsessed with their daughter um and the most amazingly he's the most amazingly awkward like character actor i don't know if if, it seems like there's a lot of the actor in that character but like i can't tell um Uh but yeah he's he's fantastic and like i didn't like him at first like i thought he was a bit over the top but now i'm kind of loving him (laughs) um yeah fantastic guest stars um yeah just amazing show so far Highly recommend. Um, I think it's a show where you—I ha- mean—you definitely have to embrace the goose- goofiness of the show. Mm-hmm. But if you embrace the show, the, the show's going to embrace back. Okay. And, like maybe butt your jugular out, <laughs> like in the process. <laughs> um But yeah, like, and I think that, like, I was, you know, kind of so so into it. I was like, this is fun, but like, I don't know if I'm like into this humor. Like, but if you embrace the the absurd humor mm-hmm. and just the ridiculousness of what's going on, like, it just becomes amazing.
1: Oh, cool. Um, well, great. Thank you for bringing that. Like I said, I've been wanting to check it out and didn't know anything really about it. Just that it was a, you know, Drew Mars a zombie and that's all I knew. And <laughs> Yeah.
2: So the Santa Clarita diet so
1: is people. It's good that it's a um, comedy and it's goofy. And I yeah, like each all each the, There's th-
2: 10 episodes. Each is a half hour long.
1: Oh, it's only half hour. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. You could blow through that really quickly. In five
2: time. hours. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I almost did it in one night, but we had to record this podcast and I didn't want to be awake at five o'clock in the morning because it's now 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. All right, great. I, oh, not,
1: I thought they were an hour, so that's nope. even, you know, even mm-hmm. a little more bonus. Yeah, this show like...
2: better get a season two.
1: Yeah,
2: or maybe maybe it ties off in the end. I don't yeah, really but... know. Maybe it doesn't need a season two. <laughs> Could be that yeah. everyone's dead at the end of season one. I don't know. <laughs> but it, even if they're all dead, that doesn't mean the show's over. <laughs> that's true.
0: So
1: okay, that's great. Yeah. All right, well, going on to my like, um, and I'm, I'm also bringing a book, but. Kind of a, I'm going to dance around this book a little bit and talk about. Really, is that for me? um, February is Beatles month. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Now, this is now my, I think, eighth time where I dedicate February to listening to the Beatles, and I go through their entire catalog, listening to one album a day. And I picked it because
3: um, there's 14
1: albums. 14 albums, and so I can listen to the. The twice. whole catalog yep. twice. So kind of going back in time. So uh, in September of 2009, um, they remastered um, and released all 14 of the albums. It was a long process. Mm-hmm. I think it took like four years for them to complete this whole remaster. And it's like the, the kind of the core catalog. These are the albums that came out in um, in England. So they're the like the official UK oh, yeah, albums. Because yeah. Capitol Records in, in yeah. the U.S. kind of like just screwed up the... They, yeah they're Took songs from one album yeah. and made all, all these weird albums. Not until like Revolver On, I think all of the U.S. albums were just the same as the U.K. albums. So yeah, so actually 12 U.K. albums and then Magical Mystery Tour, which in the U.K. was only an EP, only had like six songs. Mm-hmm. But in the U.S. it was, they, they took five singles and put it on there and made mm-hmm. it a full album. So so in the, when they remastered, they it's like the album, <clears throat> like it was in the U.S. And then Past Masters, which was a double album that came out with kind of all their singles so what they're doing is what they did was they wanted to have every single bit of recorded music that the Beatles right. did that were, was released and so these 14 albums kind <clears> of <throat> accomplished that and um and what got me interested really is because I was never a big you know um I was always a Beatles fan but I didn't have like a, a wide knowledge base like growing up I you know I was the youngest of, of four and none of my older siblings listen to the Beatles my my parents didn't listen to the Beatles mm-hmm. if you know my parents they lost my mom was a, my mom was grew up in the 50s so she was a big Elvis fan yeah. but then you know by the 60s they were too radical those Beatles um <laughs> they had long hair exactly long hair. um so I, so my my Beatles knowledge was um was pretty limited to what mm-hmm. you know i mean they're in the they're in the, the the public consciousness you know you can't get away from the right. Beatles if you listen to music or you know, anything like that their, their music just is everywhere um, but I didn't have like have a deep knowledge, and and the story I have so like in 1991 I was in the army I was going to a class in in uh, Massachusetts and for a weekend uh, me and a couple of friends we decided to go to Montreal Canada it was like five hours away and you know five hours you could be in a different country mm-hmm. in a major city and uh, coming back from that that trip we were <laughs> you know listening to the radio and uh, we found like this rock and roll station and the DJ said, you know, after these commercials, we're going to come back and play some Beatles. And two of my friends were like, I wonder what Beatles song they're going to listen to. And so they were like, you know, like based on what they've heard on this radio station so far, my one friend says, I think they're going to play Obladi oh, Oblada. Oh, <laughs> and sure enough, that was the song that they played off after the commercial. I was like, oh my gosh, that to me, you know, this person knows the Beatles. And, and I never really had that, you know, that deep knowledge mm-hmm. of, of the Beatles music. In 2000, you know, they released the, the album called One, which is 27 of their number one album, number one hits, mm-hmm. um, either in the UK or the US. I got that. But then, so in 2009, I like, was going to go all in. I bought all 14 albums. And, and so I wanted to listen to them all and start, and start listening to them. And, and that's when, like in 2010, I said, ooh, February, 28 mm-hmm. days, 14 albums, get through it twice. And that kind of launched me on this this thing of, of spending so every February. What happens on a leap year? Uh, there's enough b- uh, supplemental <laughs> Beatles <laughs> albums you can throw in there and listen to that, like number one, or you can do "Let It Be" naked, right, you know, yeah. and, and other stuff. So to to really to increase my knowledge, I finally got this book. It's called Wild <laughs> big? <laughs> yes, it's called "All the Songs: That's The big. Story Behind Every Beatles Release," and just Very to let you cool. know, there are. The Beatles released 213 songs in less than a decade. So from 63 to 70, 213 songs. Wow. That's a lot. So this book is pretty extensive and pretty um, wide. And just to, you know, this is obviously this is a audio medium and this is a visual thing, but this is a big book. So let me read you this one quote. He says, This doorstop collects yep. a galaxy yep. of Beatles song data into an impressively simple and digestible form. So this book is, was compiled by these two um, French music journalists, Philippe um, Margotin and Jean-Michel Gouzdon. Um So they've been like talking about um, music for a long time and, and, and producing music. And so they, uh, they give you like kind of a breakdown of every single song and album background. And so this, this year, I've been actually going through and reading that book as I listen to the album. So um, this is um, February 11th, we're recording this album, so I listened to, well, I haven't actually listened to it yet, but Yellow Submarine is what I'm, I'm, I'll be listening to today, and I'll go through all the different songs on that. I'll, most of them, Yellow Submarine is, is instrumental, so they don't yeah. really talk about that, but they go pretty deep into the um, like background as far as even, like, the, all the technical details and, you know, what instruments were used, what microphones mm-hmm. wow. the producers used and the recording engineers well, used. Well, look, it
3: is 660 pages. Yeah, so. 660 pages. <laughs> so but it's got a lot of, like... Um,
1: <laughs> is that a Beatles song? <laughs> it's got a lot of, like, dust background stuff. Um, and, uh, like, a lot of the mistakes, you know, so that's... Especially since, you know, the remastered in stereo, you listen mm-hmm. to it, like, especially with headphones. They tell you when like all these different things, like in um, uh, I think like Eleanor Rigby, um, like you know in 30, at the thirty second mark, you could hear this creaking noise. was that a door? was that someone yeah. walking into the thing or that was one of the chair, one of the the musicians you know mm-hmm. and um, and so it's kind of like even like Beatles fanatics things, just all the different backgrounds of of when this when this where the songs were written. You know, what was the whole background mm-hmm. of that? Um, and and so for me, it's it's been fascinating as I dive kind of into the Beatles and get like, kind of like a, expand my Beatles knowledge.
3: So are the songs listed in alphabetical order or by album? By album. So
1: that, makes it, that makes sense. chronologically. And then yeah. like even all the, <laughs> the singles that they released, <laughs> they put those in like in between the albums. Yeah. So, yeah, it's so all listed chronologically by, by when the albums came out. And, um, you know, all the different takes, like, some of the songs were just one take, man. They went in there and they mm-hmm. recorded it, but um, like some of the songs were like over a hundred takes to get it wow. all down. Um, and then also, you know, as the as the recording process kind of um, got more complex, and and George Martin, the producer for the Beatles, mm-hmm. I mean, really kind of pushed the whole recording of, of what they could do. Um, you know, bunch for, of different tracks, a bunch of different stuff. tracks, and and <clears throat> overlaying them yeah. and doubling them and. And um, you know, it got it just got more complex, and and they were able to do a lot more things as they you know went from four track to eight track, and now you got all these things you can do, and and uh, without because you know every time you reduce a track, mm-hmm. you know you can you to you can't do it too too often, or you're gonna lose you know uh, the sound yeah. of them if you just compress it and reduce it down too much. Um, so yeah, that's that's it. That's um, it's it's been fascinating just to read this and just to see how how much like I said from sixty three to seventy that was their whole their whole career yeah. and 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 I, I think I've talked about this before you know the the way their music and their even the complexity of their songs and the songwriting it was just like on an unheard of scale of of, of how complex it got from I want to hold your hand to you know right. Abbey Road and I want to, I want to know how many pages
3: are devoted to Revolution Nine. <laughs>
1: Not much. Not um, much no. That was because they just talk about all the different um, all the different sound loops they used, yeah. and it was really just John and Yoko doing that all. That was that was no other <laughs> Beetle were was, were involved in that Revolution yep. Nine, um, and and so it was just them in the studio. I think actually George Harrison came in and recorded <laughs> some of the you know some of the sound bits, yep. the Watusi and um, <laughs> all the different like things. If you listen to all eight minutes of Revolution yep. Nine over and over again. Um which it's, I have. It's, yes. It's very bizarre. <laughs> um Anyway, yeah, I I have to listen to it every single year it's right. on the on, on the Beatles White album. Twice. Exactly. And uh but like they said, you know, you can listen to that over and over again and get new things oh, yeah, out of it. Just yeah. trying to find out, you know, 'cause they use some of the some of the, you know, the 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 last crescendo in a day in a life and all the different string instruments to kinda mm-hmm. build up. They use some of that in there and and a conversation that George Martin had with someone that yeah. just got recorded that they put throw that in there. So it's a, it's a multi-layered and you can right. you know listen to it over and over again and, and hear new things all the time. So there it is. All the songs, the story behind every Beatles release is a huge volume. But if you really want to get to delve deep into um, your Beatles lore, this is the, the thing to do it. Or if you need a doorstop. Or if you need a doorstop. <laughs> And they actually they've they've uh, written now two other doorstops. Um, they've done Bob Dylan because uh-huh. he has a huge catalog, yep. and I think the Rolling Stones. So like these two catalog, same authors so. they've uh, yep. and they kind of like you know the, the same kind of format, big huge volumes like this.
2: Um. In fact, it's a dollar on the Kindle store and now. I own
1: it. <laughs> Do
2: you? No, that's not true. <laughs> How heavy is your phone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a brick
0: in my pocket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: But for me, it's just taken—it's just taken my love mm-hmm. of the Beatles up a notch. Mm-hmm. And I was reading it the other day and uh, listening to the Beatles, and my wife came down and she kind of like looked
3: at me like you're such a nerd. I'm like, yeah, but well, I love—I love, I'm I love the process behind art. Right. So I, lo- I like watching yes. behind-the-scenes stuff for movies, and, and yep. this book sounds fascinating. To me.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. and like even like John Lennon talks about like "I'm the walrus" for for instance. That was. He's he just wrote it as a goof to try to mess with people's minds. Like his, all these rock journals are trying to find meaning in all of his yeah. lyrics. He's like he's like let them figure this out. You know I'm gonna write all these weird <laughs> lyrics out and that'll give them that'll keep him busy for a while. And uh, he's like they don't mean anything really. They're just little bits of his well, childhood. Besides and, that,
3: Paul is dead and yeah replaced by an impostor.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um,
1: so that's it. That's it. Um, the Beatles, cool. and uh, and so those are that's my like for this time. And we're gonna take a break, and I'll play some Beatles music. Uh, and... Hot
2: take there, the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> up and coming.
1: <laughs> like I said, every February <laughs> I spend with the Beatles, so it's apropos to when we're recording. All right, we'll take a break. I'll play some Beatles, and we'll come back with our dislikes. Okay, we're back. And so, as usual, we go in reverse order. And so I will talk about a dislike, my dislike for this week. So I have a throwing out a question for you guys. Have you ever had a Taco Bell chalupa? I
2: have. Okay. My favorite, chalupas are my favorite thing at Taco Bell. Okay. I, so, I have once. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, way more than once. <laughs> so,
1: well, I was going to background, you know, as I was thinking about this um, and reading about the chalupa, which the Taco Bell chalupa looks and resembles nothing about the the actual there is an actual Mexican Mexican okay. dish called a chalupa but it's more of a a tortilla shell that's kind of formed into like a bowl and then they put all the stuff in it I thought it. it was
3: some cryptozoic uh, monster no. <laughs> no so the a chalupa is
1: actually like a boat goats, I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, sorry a chalupa is a boat and so that's why they the, the ah. shell is formed like a boat um and but you know taco bell is just a a thicker tortilla with stuff in there well I guess Taco Bell wanted to ramp it up a notch, and so they came out, came out with this thing, limited time, called the Naked Chalupa. Yeah. And so, for science, I decided to eat one of those yesterday. And it was going to fit this, my dislike, in, in in either A, I would hate it, and, and talk about it as my dislike, yeah. or B, I would love it, and then hate myself for liking it so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so which is it? It is a. It's just not that good. Um, it's it's unnatural. It should not exist. It is, it is the the shell is now instead of a, a tortilla shell, it's, it's a chicken. I don't even know. It's just just chicken has been deep fried and they formed it into the shell and they put all this crap in between it and then you're supposed to eat it and. I ate it. I am like, I will never eat another one of these again. Um, it just doesn't need to exist. I don't think. Yeah. Like, I never had the the KFC came out with like kind of a came out double with a little down. simple yeah, like the double, double down. down. I never yeah. ate one of those. Did you ever eat a double down? No.
2: I mean, I'm not morally opposed to double down. <laughs> yeah, all the double, because all the double down is is. I mean, we have no issue. If you said you ate a double burger or whatever, right. yeah. that's a normal thing. If you ate a double burger with no bun, that's a normal thing. All the double down was was replacing right. hamburger patties right. with chicken patties. Yeah, um, so and, like
1: the naked chalupa is just replacing the tortilla yeah. shell with
2: uh, with chicken. With yeah. chicken. But not even that because like, they don't put other meat inside no, of it. No. So really it's just a chicken sandwich with no bun. that's right. folded in half. Right. <laughs> that you can eat. <laughs> like, it, it's not as just like, – I mean, I haven't tried it. I have no desire to try it. But it doesn't seem like it's as disgusting as it sounds. It's just, just unnatural. <laughs> that's what that was the, the main yeah. thing
1: I was eating, and I'm like, "This is yeah. well, unnatural." People that don't eat
2: carbs are unnatural. So that's the problem. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's just for one thing, it's not like just a, a chicken breast. that was pounded thin and deep fried. No, it's this weird kind of like chickenish thing. Like, chicken-ish. like I don't know how it got into this form magic maybe there was some black magic involved oh, in a, to make this the form of a shell i don't know how they do it um like i said it's unnatural and i do will say it was a little spicier than i thought i thought that was an okay thing it had a little mm-hmm. bit of a kick to the, like the breading or whatever around it but it was just it was just so bizarre to eat this it was like i just would rather eat a regular chalupa actually as i was researching this I'd, I'd want to eat like a mexican real mexican chalupa with like the shell looks like a little boat, and you could eat it and have fun with it while you're while you're eating it, you know. Like. Yeah,
2: and have a dragon swoop over. Exactly.
1: <laughs> or you could be the dragon, yeah. and you're attacking the chalupa boat. Yeah, it's Tad Cooper. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that that's the naked chalupa. I will say that as I was researching this, that something I found int- uh, fascinating, this article, is that Taco Bell is now rated as one of the healthiest fast food choices. Yeah. Um, which. I did not know that, but uh, you this, ar-
2: this, this uh, yeah, <laughs> article—Taco yeah. Bell
1: has become one of the healthiest fast food chains in America.
2: Yeah, we have this whole uh, conversation at Smogger, Group, but starting with the Naked Chalupa. Actually. Oh, no. Okay. Well, there yeah. you
1: go. Um, yeah. So they have—they actually have a dietitian, Missy Nelson, um, and she has kind of made some changes. So they've uh, went from um, cage-free eggs, fifteen um, percent reduction in sodium. Which even with the fifteen percent, that naked chalupa is like over a thousand milligrams of sodium in that thing. So, man, I can imagine if it was <laughs> the sodium before that. I think um, that was a
2: reduction in the beef sodium. Originally. Oh, maybe that was. I don't know. Yeah, there's no beef in the chalupa. So yeah,
1: um, but now they have this like this high-protein cantina menu and this low-calorie fresco menu, which I was looking at the actually the Taco Bell nutritional yeah. kind of chart. It actually, it's pretty good. I mean, they're all under 350 calories. Yeah. Very low sodium. Um, yeah, actually, a few times I go to Taco
2: Bell now, I always get tell them to make whatever it is fresco because okay. they t- basically. Cause I am not I, I don't I'm not against dairy, but I don't like cheese and sour cream on mm-hmm. stuff. Which is a um, shame. So I. So it's a pain to go to talk about and say I don't want cheese or sour cream or tomatoes cuz I don't love tomatoes. But if you say get it fresco, they take out all the dairy and then just put um, this uh, uh, like pico de gallo or something. Yeah, pico de gallo on it, which is fantastic. Yeah. So it's just it's just a shortcut for me to seem less weird when I'm ordering taco bell. <laughs> you don't um, you're
1: not trying to be healthy, you just don't like the dairy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, sour cream is gross. <laughs>
1: oh, sour cream is delicious. And so is cheese. They have a whole you know state dedicated to that called wisconsin it was built there because of cheese yeah. they found cheese reserves very deep in the <laughs> ground and that's why wisconsin yeah. is famous for its cheese because of the the naturally yeah. growing they cheese they worship reserves. it and wear it on their heads yes strange <laughs> so cult well there you go that's taco bell the awesome. naked chalupa awesome. it is um it is a limited time and hopefully it'll go away and <laughs> never be um yeah what and I think about what again. I think's is
2: interesting about Taco Bell making like, like being one of the more healthy fast food places now is they don't they still they, as far as I know they've never advertised themselves like that. That's what, started, yeah. They started That's making all of these changes to make their food healthier. They removed like half the sodium or things from the beef and just didn't tell anyone. Right, like yeah. they didn't do it like for publicity. They just told everyone way later that they'd done this. Yeah, um, and no one noticed. Like That's they're what, not. Yeah. yeah, they're just making stuff healthier and not using it as like a publicity stunt. Or you know, hey, this is our new healthy beef because no one's gonna want to go to Taco Bell and eat healthy beef. Right. They're just doing it to make people better yeah. um, <laughs> and well and be less gross, I guess. Well, good on you, Taco Bell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. except for um, they then they have
1: a natural naked yeah. thing. They, they just yeah. yeah.
2: But health wise, it's yeah. a chicken sandwich that's folded in half with it's no true. bun. Like <laughs> yeah. Um, so I mean yeah, the the shape of the 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 shell might be a bit unnatural, but as far as food goes, like, that's... No one's gonna batten... If I said, hey, I had a chicken sandwich for lunch, and I didn't eat the bun, no one would think twice about that. True. But if you fold it in half, then it's a monstrosity. <laughs>
1: well, I think it's more than fold in half. I think they kind of ground up the chicken, they mix it with yeah. all these weird things, they yeah. form it into this shell-like thing, so and then they... Deep chicken nuggets. It and hold are, it in it's a, in a giant chicken
0: <laughs> nugget. <laughs>
2: yes.
1: It's, it's disgusting. So... That's my dislike, and so we'll go now to Andrew.
2: Yeah. Uh, so I saw a movie last week um, <laughs> and regretted it. Immediately? Very, almost, more than immediately. I almost left the theater during this movie. Um, I saw A Cure for Wellness uh, last uh, week, and that movie is really bad. <laughs> is it garbage? Um, it is just Beyond garbage. Like, garbage is not a good enough word for this movie. <laughs> like, I, I almost walked out, like, ten minutes, in, the, and I hadn't even paid to see it. Hmm. Um, so, like, I, I, yeah, I saw the movie for free, and it was not worth it. <laughs> um, so, You're mad at the time you wasted on it. Yeah, the two hours or whatever I spent in that theater were really bad. Um, I didn't even have popcorn, so what's the point? <laughs> I was just sad the whole time. Um, the, the plot for this movie off of IMDb is... An ambitious young executive is sent to retrieve his company's CEO from an idyllic but mysterious wellness center at a remote location in the Swiss Alps, but soon suspects that the spa's miraculous treatments are not what they seem. Um, and I have to say, like the reason I got interested in this movie um, is because it had a fantastic first mm-hmm. trailer. Like, it, it is so, like, weird, and you have no idea what's going on, and there's some great music mm-hmm. playing, and it's just, like, these cool images. I'm like, oh, Some I, of them
1: were creepy images. Yeah,
2: some, some of them were pretty creepy images. Yep. And I was, I was intrigued. So I was like, yeah, I could see that. It's directed by Gore Verbinski, who's made some, you know, pretty great movies and some really not great movies. <laughs> so I figured it could go either way. But, like, you know, his movies, no matter how good or – I can't speak for Lone Ranger because mm-hmm. I never saw that. Uh, but all the Pirates movies look fantastic, mm-hmm. even the ones that he directed that aren't great. Like, the right. second and third ones look amazing, uh-huh. <laughs> but just not terrific movies. Um, so I was like, oh, man, yeah, this is just going to be, and, like, you know, I heard the lone Ranger is pretty bad, but I figured Gore Verbinski, like, you know, just being able to do his thing, and he was supposed to direct a Bioshock movie at one point, which is, like, one of my favorite video games, and this had a very Bioshocky feel mm-hmm. of just this sort of, like, like, <clears throat> Like almost dystopian setting, even mm-hmm. though it's like set in present day in a normal right. place. Um, just like this weird, all this weird stuff going on. I was pretty interested. Apparently, what I've heard from other people is all the trailers after that were horrendously bad. <laughs> I never saw any of those. <laughs> so, when I had a chance to go see this movie for free, I took it. Um, and yeah, it's not great. Uh, it stars uh, Dane DeHane, yeah. Dane, de, Dane DeHaan, I don't know, Dane DeHane, I don't know how to his um, name. Um, uh, stars in the movie. Uh, it also has uh Jason Isaacs and Mia Goth playing the only other characters that matter in any way, shape or form. <laughs> um I think part of the problem is like you're you know, you're with this guy going and trying to figure out, you know, the mystery of this place, I guess. Um and but like the guy himself like isn't likable and I don't think that it's not the actor's fault. Like the character is meant to be unlikable. Mm. Um, or at least it seemed that way to me. <laughs> um so, you know, when there's any kind of danger or anything like, you know, I'm not really rooting for him particularly um the only character that's even you know a little bit sympathetic i guess is mia goth's character but she's doesn't really get to do much of anything in the movie and jason isaacs is a good villain like or villainish, i guess um i don't know uh no villain he's a villain <laughs> um i'll say that maybe it's a little spoilery but or you're not you should, see it but, anyway but but so... you shouldn't see this movie this, this, you should not see this movie um and that's i mean hey oh the head of the the wellness facility there's isn't the best guy ever what yeah um yeah part part of that is the revelations (laughs) like that like that like are basically the exact thing you think they would be there's right i mean there's you know quote unquote twists and turns in this movie but like none that i didn't see coming a mile away and like they just seem like the most obvious version. It just seems like the most obvious version of this movie. Like you go to the movie and basically everything you think is going to happen novel. just happens. Yep. um and I was waiting for something to get flipped on his head or something, you know, the movie be smart at some point, it, didn't, yeah. it was never smart. um And then like it just like goes into an amount of depravity at the end that made me just want to walk out of my seat. And I was like, but maybe it'll get better, <laughs> and then it doesn't. It just didn't get better, and. I don't know. About three quarters of the way through the movie, or so, like I realized that no matter what the answer to this mystery is, I didn't care. And I, and I was like, I was like, I can't think of anything they could tell me that would make me to that would make this whole story worth it. And mm-hmm. I was hoping I was wrong the whole time, and I was not wrong. Uh. Like it is really bad. Um,
1: well, looking at IMDb, it's got a seven out of ten rating. It's
2: not out yet. Um, so that'll go down. <laughs> I think it comes out on Friday. Okay. Um, next Friday.
1: Yeah, just think even some of their user reviews.
2: Yeah, those are like if you look at the Metascore, there's 13 critic reviews because I think the embargo got lifted on Tuesday. Okay. Um, so this movie's not out yet, so it's gonna. I think that's gonna plummet. I hope. Okay. Um, or maybe I just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. only only one but, of the
1: actual user reviews on IMDb is really bad. Is one out of ten, and it says don't bother.
2: Yeah. Yeah, but d- how many of those other people even saw this? I don't know. So does, it, like, does it look beautiful? Like it looks friends? amazing. Yeah, yeah so. the, it, it looks fantastic. I mean, the movie on mute, three-quarters of the movie on <laughs> mute, I would watch again uh-huh. <laughs> like while I was doing something else. Yeah, But, ugh, that's, <laughs> that is rough. Hmm. It's a rough, bad movie. Um, not a fan at all. All right.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, then, an early... Um, preview of the really bad movie a cure for wellness yeah
2: uh, yeah i think it comes out maybe it came out yesterday um i, I don't
1: think i know i saw i saw i think i, out, out I, like saw, I, think I s- paid attention to the first trailer which is also amazing. which yeah it's it had so me good. intriguing intrigued and then i think i saw it in the second trailer but i didn't really did pay attention to it i'm like oh yeah that's a cure for wellness movie um and i did have a, a, a really a kind of a semi interested um you know, view of it but now i don't thanks to you Andrew. yeah
2: i was trying real hard to like the movie too <laughs> um yeah that cover if i want to be sedated in the the trailer is fantastic <laughs> yeah and i guess i don't know i guess i have a problem with movies that are like it's just imagery and a weird dark cover of a fun poppy song or whatever <laughs> <laughs> like, like makes a good music video that, but... that makes a great trailer <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but it did not make a good movie the music and the Movie is pretty haunting though. Oh, okay, um, I was a fan of a lot of the music, hmm. although they use the theme a lot. The why <laughs> you want to be sedated, really? No, no. Just oh. the there's this oh, the main like, theme. The, oh, yeah, main theme. like the the theme from the score. Okay, um, like pops up a little bit overused, I think, or maybe okay. I just wanted the movie to be over and not have <laughs> to listen to it anymore. Um,
1: so is I want to be sedated in the movie at all? Think, or no, it's no, not just movie.
2: just from the um... yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any like any non-score music in the actual film.
1: All righty. Um, well, I think we've spent enough time talking about that bad movie. <laughs> we'll finish it up with Russ and his dislike.
3: Well, my dislike is is the uh, terrible overlook of, of a great director that I just discovered, um, James Nguyen, N-G-U-Y-E-N, who has directed a romantic uh, feel-good movie, Julian Jack, and then the one that I really think has been overlooked, which is Bird Demic Shock and Terror. <laughs> Birdemic. Um, I, let me just tell you, the when he went to this to Sundance with this film, he printed up some flyers that said, "Why did the eagles and vultures attack?" <laughs> so um,
2: English is probably not his first language.
3: Probably not. Um, but he gets some fantastic uh, uh, performances out of his lead actors, which. We need to go see the the trailer, and we'll pause this and watch the trailer in a second because <laughs> you have to see it before we go any further. You will not believe that this movie was made for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> it looks like five. It looks. Yeah. There's the the main character is is a stockbroker guy who just made a million dollar sale, and he runs into a a uh, one of his high school um, a high school girl who he never made a pass at who. She's a fashion model who's into fashion. <laughs> but the special effects are amazing. So obviously this guy is a, uh, a a student of Hitchcock. Not a good student of Hitchcock, but he's a student of Hitchcock. And this movie looks amazing. So let's just pause and watch the like trailer. Okay. <laughs> wow. See? Wow.
0: See? He's,
1: he's, he's visionary. <laughs> he might be the next John Carpenter. <laughs> I love how one of those was just an IMD user review. That was that was an actual you know this IMD user review says
3: this is a great movie.
2: Yeah. So Yeah, that was his mom. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so the other movie that I, mean, I saw a trailer of Julian Jack. He's obvi- he obviously like I really do think that he has watched Hitchcock and he's trying to be because in Julian Jack there's many shot for shot um placements for um uh, vertigo okay like like that, i know that shot from vertigo and you're doing it worse oh and birdemic <laughs> is kind of like b- birds it, right <laughs>
0: even, i didn't i didn't get that it was like pretty birds, subtle
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like it. um and even he got tippy hedron to answer a door in no way. jack and julie or whatever it's called so like so he can say, you know and special guest appearance by Tippy Hedren, who was in the birds. Right. right. So yeah, yeah like oh But, not in, Birdemic. but not in Bird But not in Bird sadly. That's a way better cameo.
2: I know. I don't know which came first. Yeah. But anyway. Well, if, if, if it has to be in the special edition, of I, movie. I would hope so. <laughs> oh the movie's gosh. incomplete without Tippy Hedren.
3: So I guess actually this movie was released in two thousand yeah. and ten and and I guess it's now become like a cult favorite because it's so horribly bad. Yeah. So you haven't
2: actually seen the movie? I have not seen the movie, but I want to. I'll, I'm gonna. I need to find these movies. This is fantastic. Wow. Think, oh, it's a dollar on the Amazon store now. It's on my Kindle. <laughs> wow. So there you
3: go.
1: How did you find it. that? Like,
3: I was looking up bad trailers to see what I could do, what I could hate, and I. Found this one and like I love it it's yeah. so bad. So you love to hate it. I love
0: to
2: hate it. Yeah, shockingly, there's a riff tracks on it. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> oh, yeah, nah, that'd be fun to see
1: also. Would be. <laughs> so birdemic shock and, and terror. terror. I think the shock and terror is you actually watching, <laughs> watching this movie and, and feeling good about yourself.
2: There's a second one. Oh yeah, Birdemic Two: The Resurrection. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, there's like sharknado and some of these sci-fi movies are are trying to be you know these really cheesy campy campy but this one seems like it's
3: i don't know if he's if it's if he's doing it as a joke or or if he's just trying
1: to make a movie trying to make a movie
3: but either way it's a towering achievement (laughs) in human creativity well
1: we'll put a link to the um (laughs) the trailer the trailer and which is oh i don't know we can talk about the trailer (laughs) Just like that one shot of the guy answering the door. is like, what the heck does
2: this character have anything to do with it? <laughs> right, yeah. At least from solar power accessories. <laughs> it's probably very important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why put that in the
1: trailer? Exactly. Well, the,
2: the homes have to be self-sufficient. If there's birds everywhere, you can't leave your homes.
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's a yeah. very, very intricate plot. Maybe it's all about solar power. That's it the, does
3: seem to be a, an environmental... Uh, Called of arms, yeah. that one guy thing. Yeah. That, that humans are the yeah, the real monsters. Grab our hangers and go. Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, those <it's> <laughs> yeah, jokes don't work as well if you haven't seen the trailer. You got to see the trailer. See the trailer and yeah. one of them you can't even see Russ doing, but <laughs> but we think they're funny. <laughs>
3: I'm reenacting the last scene in the trailer, so uh, just go watch the trailer. It's beautiful. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: All right, well, I think that on that <laughs> note, we will wrap up this episode. Um, please uh, leave comments on the um, on our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash PumpingIronyPodcast. You can go to our website, PumpingIronyPodcast.com. You can tweet us or follow us on Twitter at PumpingIronyPod. We'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love to hear some of the things, uh, maybe what if you've seen Santa Clarita Diet, what you thought about it. If some of your jokes uh, from the trailer for Birdemic, yeah. have
2: you heard of the Beatles? If you've heard of the Beatles, or want to tell
1: us some of your favorite Beatles songs or some great Beatles stories, um, we'll we'll read those next time on the Pumping Irony podcast. Um, but thanks for listening. My name is Tim.
2: I'm Russ, and I'm Andrew,
1: and we'll catch you next time.
0: Calm before the storm